companies, welcome back to another episode of Touch Base. We are going to dive into a brand new company, one of the Madeira companies, Viva First, our bank here. And I'm excited to have with me today, Tony McGriff, the Chief Operating Officer. And then we also have, he's across from me, and then we also have Natalia Munoz-Moore, the Chief Experience Officer. And then we have Mona Lopez, the Business Operations Manager. Did I get everybody's title correct as we walk around? Yes. Very nice. Welcome to Touch Base. So excited to have you guys here. Uh, we just want to kind of uh, really kind of get an introduction into you guys, an introduction into like what all you guys are doing. And so I'm going to kind of go around the table and kind of ask you to give me a little bit of a bio, a little bit about who you are and kind of how you guys got to uh, Viva. And then maybe here, once we finish with that, Tony, you can kind of give us a little bit of history on how you guys got to uh, Madeira and how that partnership began. So Mona, why don't we start with you and we'll just work our way around. Give us a little bio on how you, how you got here and who you are. Sure. Um... I've been in banking for approximately 20 years. Wow. And um, I started out, uh, I guess you would say, retail banking, so kind of frontline, and then uh, moved up to a customer service management position, and then eventually um, at another institution, I became a branch manager, and um, lastly, uh, backroom stuff, so deposit operations managers, what I was able to. Um, kind of get a new experience in and I've worked with the team in a previous institution so that is how I was brought to Madeira okay and of course I respect for those that I worked with and it sounded like a great opportunity so yeah so real quick did all of you guys know each other previous to coming over and working together not me. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah. So we'll, we'll, then let's jump to your bio and kind okay. of start to put the pieces together here. Um, so I am originally from Guatemala. My father is Guatemalan and my mother is American, but I was born and raised there. And uh, I moved to the United States in 2001. Okay. So I'm bilingual in both languages. And um, after graduating, most of my work experience has been in blue collar in Texas. So working with a lot of this underserved demographic and then a culture that is mine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very cool. Um, So several years ago, Mark Pig, a friend of mine, reached out to me and said, I have this idea. Uh, Does it sound crazy? And I thought, no, this really resonates with a need I have seen firsthand in in business. Yeah. Several months after that, he reached out. He's like, okay, I'm doing it. (laughs) And would you like to be a part of this? And I said, absolutely, I would love to. Very cool. Very cool. Now, Tony, tell us a little about you. Yeah, so similar banking background, Mona kind of starting out um, 2004, I believe, out of Texas Tech. Started at bottom level, help desk IT, worked up to business analyst, um, moved to the same community bank that Mona was at. Uh, I think 2014 I was there, she came after that. Um, was in IT management there. Worked with one of the co-founders. Mark was a loan officer there at the time. Um, Jim Simpson was actually the gentleman that hired me, which is also one of our co-founders. So that's where that connection comes in. And it's a kind of similar story. I'm, I'm building this theme, love to have you on board. And it was you know great to where you can pair you know, what you do with a mission that, you know, kind of rings true. So the best of both worlds. Yeah, no, it's really interesting. And then of course, I didn't know a lot of this stuff either, knowing kind of all of y'all's backgrounds, but coming from various banking, but then also the blue collar feel, like that's a that's a wealth of 
like real rounded experience and, and worldview that I think you guys bring to the table in this. That, that's really interesting to me. Uh, Tony, tell us real quick, though, how did we get this uh, partnership and, and relationship with, with Madeira and then Viva first? Yeah, so um, as, you know, kind of going through launching, like uh, Natalia said, Mark, Jim had this idea. They start to get the funding for it and it comes to fruition and then COVID hits and it just made sense for us to look for a partner and it just so happened that there's another local company that was interested in getting in the embedded finance and financial services and it just made sense for them to to add us to to the team yeah yeah now specifically i think that's really cool specifically you guys are are geared towards and you pride yourself in taking care of the latino community so let's talk about that for just a little bit as we kind of start to work through this. What were you seeing or what were y'all seeing that really inspired this idea to take care of this demographic of people, not necessarily just for the financial opportunity to build a business on your part, but to really, like you mentioned a moment ago, to, to solve some needs that are out there. What, what did you pick up on and, and kind of see in that area? Um, I'll speak first on that. Uh, like I mentioned, my background, um, starting out in retail banking, I did witness um, several instances where we had customers come in and um, needed resources, resources in Spanish, and those weren't available, or they needed um, assistance in Spanish, and so there was a need for Spanish-speaking employees, there was a need for the Spanish literature, and um, those that weren't able to have access to that were kind of just brushed to the side or dismissed, kind of forgotten about. And so they really didn't receive the services they needed. So I noticed that early on, and I believe our founders also witnessed that in their various positions. It was just, a, there was a need for that. And we have so many Latinos in the U.S., they're huge contributing factors. And what better way to be a part of something that can serve them and um, take care of their needs. Yeah, yeah, and specifically, if I'm not mistaken with y'all's material, what, 52 million, is that the number? 52 million Latinos in the U.S.? And quickly growing. Yes, and, yeah, very <laughs> yes. much so, very much so. Uh, well, what other things uh, were you seeing? And, you know, it was interesting, when I was having these initial conversations with Mark, uh, some of the things that he was mentioning, I saw across other platforms, not just in banking. So, for example, he talked about adults Hispanic adults having to come in with their kids and having their kids translate to conduct basic banking transactions. Right. He talked about the hesitation that he saw when signing agreements in a language that they don't understand. Totally. And um, a lot of frustration when they would come in and see so many fees, overdraft fees, eating up their hard-earned money because they didn't understand right. how the system worked to right. begin with. And a lot of those pitfalls that really alienated them mm -hmm. over time. And I saw that in human resources as well. You know, having a handbook that is only in English, having materials, training materials that are only in English. So really being able, this opportunity, like you said, not just a business opportunity, right. but being able to give individuals the dignity to conduct these adult transactions and managing their money independently. Yeah. And that is, it, it's um, kind of taking away the intimidation as well. Absolutely. Right. You know, it's intimidating walking into the bank and um, looking at people that you're not familiar with, their faces that 
don't resemble yours, they don't speak your language, and here we are, you know, we're their same faces, we're their history, we know their language, we have the resources, and, and that's what we want to Promote. Yeah, and I can only imagine going back to the the blue collar stuff what, what, that you can that you kind of come out of. What it's like walking in. You mentioned uh, the language. You mentioned culture, but then you also mentioned maybe a socioeconomic feeling of distance between blue collar and you know here is suit and tie and and in a building and what that made that what that must feel like. Yes. Um, I, I will tell you, I I am. This is probably the one podcast I've been most excited about. Uh, it's just simply because I think it goes back to what you said a second ago. Your your whole feel is so tied to a great mission that it, that's exciting to me. And so I, I love to get to hear about, about this. But you guys mentioned in, uh, a couple of different hurdles, right, that, that you're having to, uh, to go past and try to work through. How are y'all building trust and kind of getting that buy-in that, that you're not just a trustworthy group of people, but that you, you understand the culture, you understand the needs uh, linguistically and maybe other things. What are, what are you doing specifically to kind of build that trust uh, with, with this demographic of people? Absolutely. I would say with a digital product mm -hmm. where you don't get to go shake somebody's hand, yep. you know, but that's both the advantage and the disadvantage because for a lot of these folks that are working outside of the eight to five hours, you know, they're working extended hours so they can't walk into a branch. There's the convenience of a 24 seven bank, but then that is our biggest hurdle is building that trust. So we know that number one, uh, accuracy in everything that we do. Yeah. So in the way that we build uh, the mobile app, uh, making sure that everything is functions well and is efficient, that they can access us easily. So we've, um, we have uh, different methods that you can get a hold of us, so via chat, via phone, via email. So we try to be as responsive as we can, but ultimately uh, we want to convey that we are as secure as any other bank, mm -hmm. that we have to follow all the same guidelines, the same regulations that any other bank has to follow. Yeah. So we are we are no different in terms of security. Right. Now, really what we're wanting to bring is a place where they feel welcome, mm -hmm. where maybe otherwise they haven't felt like the target customer, when they've yeah. walked in and think, am I really wanted here? We want them to know that you're number one for us. Right. Right. That's really interesting, too, because I can only imagine that uh, what, what comes with this is not just finding a simple app and and digital feedback back and forth, but kind of creating a, a Latino culture within the app and within the way that you do stuff. Could you speak to that a little bit? How are you guys kind of celebrating the Latino culture in, in, what, in what you do? I think we kind of marketed our, our app towards, you know, the colors that... Latinos usually um, relate to and it's you know a festive demographic so we target through our colors um, we target through recognizing Spanish holidays you know bringing those to um, attention through our app or through our Facebook page as well um, I would say <clears throat> one of the ways uh, one of the things that was important to us was to bring accurate engaging um, funny, quirky yeah. Spanish. Because what we noticed when we went to a lot of the other banks' Spanish version of their websites is it was these clunky translations that felt um, like an afterthought. Yeah. 
So in a way, to build trust, to show that we are truly focused on this demographic, we wanted to make sure that all of our content mm-hmm. feels genuinely Latino. Yeah. Can I ask you, I, I, I may ask you a question, and uh, th- th- this this is not one I prepped you for, but it is definitely one I'm interested in hearing sure. about, right? Uh, I don't know if I told you guys this, but my parents were missionaries, so I grew up in Ecuador. Okay. Uh, so Ecuador has a, a very interesting Spanish dialect, and you mentioned Guatemala. Yes. And then we talk about Texas, mm-hmm. and we talk about, but of course, uh, even if you look at Houston, we have a, Houston is a, a variety of mm-hmm. Latino cultures kind of all kind of coming together. Yes. How do you navigate linguistics? That. <laughs> you know, I would I would say I always I get this question asked all the time. Yeah, I'm just and, and the way that I explain it is kind of like a Texan can communicate with somebody from New York <laughs> because they have you have different lingo yeah. and different accents, mm-hmm. but ninety five percent of the words you're going to use are going to be in common. Okay, so I would say it's very much. Yeah. Like that. Yeah, yeah, that yes. makes sense. That makes sense. Yes. Um, we kind of refer back to each other sometimes too. I'm like, what would you say? How do you say this word? Yes. Like, would you say this word this way? And we both, you know, like yes. you mentioned, it's we use the same in certain instances, but you know, yeah. just kind of think dinner, supper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Yes. That makes sense. Well, I mean, it's yeah. very yeah. Awesome. The whole point of you know not just Google translating things. Yes. So it's everything is you know for regulatory purposes we do it in English first. And then we'll take that and we'll pull the ladies together and we'll be like, okay, let's let's go through through this and let's convey the same feeling in this message that's in English as we do in Spanish. We don't want to lose the the what's behind the message so much in the words. Let's just convey the message. How would you do that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that makes total sense. And then I and then I think it's it's gotta be uh, a great aid, like you said, to have the two of you with different Spanish backgrounds a little yes, bit being able to come together and talk this out yes. uh, when it comes to that. that that's that's interesting. Now, now, one of the things I also kind of wanted to ask about is while you are specifically geared towards the Latino communities, others can participate in this? Is that So what, what does that look like for somebody else who may come from a different background that wants to join and be a part of Viva First? What does that look like for them and, and how do you take care of those uh, that demogra- those demographics of people? We would say absolutely. We invite everybody to join. Uh, we just identified an underserved market and that's the one that we're focusing on. Mm-hmm. But our bank is open to everyone. Yeah. So let me ask about that. You use that word under, underserved. I know in your literature you use words like underbanked uh, and things like that. Can can you just give me a definition, a working definition of what that looks like to be underbanked? Uh, in, yeah, so a, a, good, a good example actually it pertains to, to Madeira in general, right? So probably, I don't know, 60 to 70% of residents will probably pay rent with a money order. Okay. And that's not necessarily because they don't have a bank account, because they, if they're getting paid, most likely they do have a bank account, but maybe they don't have either the, the, the knowledge of what type of product based on how they feel, I'm gonna have this conversation, what product do you recommend? So they may not have a debit card that they feel, or an account they feel like they could pay their rent with, so they would just go and purchase a money order. Okay, okay, that makes sense. The way I think of it is the banking services that are available to most of us Mm -hmm. uh, at no charge, a lot of those services are not available to other individuals. So here's an example, or what I saw in the real world. An employee gets paid with a check, they go somewhere and they have to pay a fee to cash the check. Then they have to pay their utilities. So they pay another fee to convert the cash to a money order to then pay their bills. So there is already 
percentages chipped away off of their check just to conduct those basic transactions. Whereas you can go on your bank account and do a bill pay and it costs you nothing. Right. Right, it's it, it, you check nickel and dimes over and over and over. Yes. Uh, sure, that's going to add up for yes. anybody, and then especially for blue collar people who are coming out of, they need every, every cent, every dollar. Yeah. Right. Well, one of the things that I've heard Mona say several times is that we are your first chance bank. Mm-hmm. So what that means is that your previous financial pitfalls are not going to follow you oh, with okay. us because we have designed it to avoid those pitfalls. We're not going to make our money off of fees. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Off of over, uh, from, you know, dozens of overdraft fees right. from everybody. We have built in those safeguards so that you're not disappointed. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> because that, so that you don't, don't, don't incur those fees. Mm-hmm. And uh, account maintenance fees are also yes. something that, you know, we um, don't have the, the account fees. And so many times um, Latinos weren't aware of those fees and again, chipping away at their money. Whereas if they open an account with us, we don't have that um, service fee that they have to worry about. Yeah. You know, so their money's their money and it's there and we're transparent. Mm-hmm. You know? Yes, our checking account is completely free. Awesome. I, I asked Mona several times, I'm like, are you sure there's no fees? And she said, well, maybe if you lose your debit card five times, yes. maybe that yes. sixth one will come at a fee. Yeah. But our our account is right. truly, you don't have yeah. no fees. minimum Zero fees. monthly service balance requirements or anything of that nature. So it's, very transparent and open you know they will not be charged to have an yeah. account with us unless you know they go to a, another bank and have incur fees to the other bank's sure. atm or things like, like that but other than that i mean they don't have to worry about at least that aspect yeah. of it that's wonderful